Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast after a little bit of a hiatus. Let's see if I still remember how to do this. Today's episode is going to be a what I can only describe as a hodgepodge. We are going to be reviewing the year 2022. Looking back, we surveyed listeners and we got your feedback on your favorite episodes and what you would like to see from the podcast and all kinds of fun stuff that we're going to be getting into. We also asked you to submit any questions you have for me about the podcast, about anything going on. I'm going to be answering those questions. And we're going to be looking ahead to 2023, which we are currently in. So we're going to be doing all of that. And after we wrap that up, I'm going to insert at the very end a segment I recorded a few months ago when a few friends and I rode the East Texas slowdown route. I recorded some audio for it and and tried to make a little episode out of it, and I just didn't think it was good enough to release as an episode, as a standalone episode. Uh, So I decided to just tag it on to the end of this one, and when you're done listening to our year in review and I look forward, you can stick around and listen to uh, that trip And that's about what we got going on today. I do apologize for the lack of content lately. It's been about a month since I put out an episode. Uh, The day after I released my episode with Abdullah, I went on a uh, trip to Oaxaca. We did some surfing and some yoga and just a legitimate vacation. We had an absolute Uh, It was a great time. In fact, I would like to move to Oaxaca. Yeah, I'll have to put that on hold, I'm afraid, for a while, but absolutely fell in love with Latin America and that region in particular. Had a great trip, and the number one question I get asked when I tell about this trip is, were you able to surf? And the answer was yes. Uh, We took surf instructions the first couple days. The first three waves the instructor pushed me into, I caught and I rode them out like a champion. And by the end of the uh, lessons, I was able to paddle into my own wave and ride them. So I felt like it was super successful. I will admit like they weren't the most epic waves. I think they were like four or five foot waves, uh, but I'm told that those are about perfect for for beginners. And uh, yeah, had a great time, picked up a new sport and might uh, try to do some more of that. Actually uh, trying to plan a little bit of a trip to Costa Rica to do some biking and surfing there coming up this year. So Yeah, after that, I had my girls for Christmas and wasn't very productive. Uh, I guess I was just in vacation mode. And my intention was to release this episode right after Christmas. And I got sick a couple days before Christmas, and I'm just now getting over it. So those are my excuses. And I do apologize for the delay in getting this out to you. And I also apologize if I'm still a little stuffy, but we're going to carry on and do the best that we can. So that is what we got lined up for you beautiful people today. But before we get to today's episode, let's take a moment to thank the people that made it possible, starting with a couple new patrons. And I'm going to absolutely butcher this first name, but let's give it a shot. Joe Arpad. I'm going to spell this one. It's J-O-O-A-R-P-A-D. 
but it's got those accent marks over like an O and an A and another A. And I don't know what all that means, but I do appreciate your support. And this is a good reminder that if you sign up as a patron and you would like me to make sure I pronounce your name correctly, you can always send me a voice memo on Instagram or spell out the pronunciation on Patreon whenever you register or something like that, because I do try to get them right, uh, but I'm afraid I probably butchered that one. Our next patron is Amelia Waves, and I'm pretty sure I got that one right. We really appreciate all of our patrons. We literally cannot produce this show without your support. And if you would like to help produce these episodes, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Next up, Today's episode is brought to us by Athletic Greens, and if, like many people around the world, you are setting resolutions and they include health, wellness, and fitness, I highly encourage you to check out Athletic Greens. I've been using them, God, when did they come on as a sponsor? For probably at least six to eight months ago, and as I mentioned on the podcast about eight months ago, I... I changed my diet. I changed my relationship with alcohol. I started working out six days a week. And Athletic Greens has been a big part of my personal nutrition plan. So what I do seven days a week is I make a smoothie every single day. And part of my smoothie makeup is Athletic Greens, one scoop of Athletic Greens. So I make sure I'm getting all of my vitamins and minerals. It's a quick and easy way to do that. And if I'm ever on the road, they make travel packs that makes it equally as easy or on a bikepacking trip. So it's a really great solution if you're looking to top off your health and nutrition, especially going into 2023. And Athletic Greens is making it easy for you to try their product. All you need to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death and get yourself a free one year of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Our next sponsor is Ombra's. Ombra's Armless Sunglasses. I actually just got a report from Ombra's from our ad campaign that we ran in 2022, and a lot of y'all have taken advantage of their offer, which is freaking awesome. And if you would like to join the list of Bikes or Death listeners that wear Ombra's, join me, Ultra Romance, John Watson, Sarah Swallow, among other people who absolutely love these sunglasses, we are making it very easy for you to get into a pair. All you have to do is visit ombras.com, that's O-M-B-R-A-Z.com, put in the code B-O-D-20, no spaces, just B-O-D-20 at checkout, and Ombras is going to give you $20 off your purchase, and then they're going to send us a check for $20 as a thank you for sending you to them. Now, it's worth noting that Ombra's had three different styles, lots of different colors and lenses options available, but they've recently added two more styles. So they have a total of five options to choose from. Uh, personally, I think I have four pairs of them. I love them all. They're amazing. You never have to worry about them getting lost. Uh, if you're not wearing them, they're dangling around your neck. If you go surfing, you don't have to worry about them flying off or go on a river trip. Whatever the case may be, these are great adventure sunglasses and they look cool too. And not to mention, when you take away the arms, it increases the comfort by 79%. I just made up that percentage. So 
If you want to try them out, head over to ombras.com, use the code BOD20 at checkout, and save yourself $20 on a pair of Ombras. And of course, you can find information for both Athletic Greens and Ombras in the show notes or on the podcast page for Bikes or Death. All right, well, that's it for the ads. The bills have been paid, and now we're ready to get into today's episode with me. But first, let's have Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. All right. Well, it's me back here. And if you've been following along with the podcast for the four plus years that we've been doing it, I have never done an episode where I was the only person. Uh, even whenever we've done AMAs, I've always had somebody else asking the questions uh, and me answering them. And this time I'm riding solo, which feels scary, but let's get through it together. So the first thing I want to do is uh, review some stats from 2022. Everybody's been posting their Spotify stats and their Strava stats, and that's great. But over here, what I care about is podcasting stats. And I thought some of y'all might be interested as well. So in 2022, we released 36 episodes, totaled about 75 and a half hours of content. And I found this interesting. There are over 3 million podcasts in the entire world, and Bikes for Death is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Even more impressive and something I'm very proud of is this year, Bikes for Death hit number eight on the charts for the outdoor podcast category, which is really mind-blowing. It puts us up in the leagues of like Dirtbag Diaries, which is a podcast that many of y'all may be familiar with, and Climbing Gold that's hosted by Alex Honnold and produced by Dirtbag Diaries. And these are two podcasts that I personally uh, look up to greatly. They're highly produced and uh, very well funded and, you know, have legendary hosts like Alex Honnold and whatnot. And so to be amongst them, uh, is truly mind-blowing and freaking awesome. So number eight on the charts in the outdoors category, freaking amazing. Now, in the podcast industry, most people are interested to know what your download numbers are in the first 30 days. That's like the main metric that everybody uh, goes by. And so this year, Bikes for Death episodes averaged... 5,121 downloads in the first 30 days, which is a 19.7 increase from 2021. So really, any way you slice it, it has been an absolutely successful year for Bikes for Death. And if you've been a part of the journey, thank you so much, but we're not done. And hoping for an equally good, if not better, 2023. All right, and next up are our podcasting awards. Drum roll, please. 
First up is our category called By the Numbers. So again, these are the episodes that received the most downloads in the first 30 days after they were released. So number one downloaded episode for 2022 was, can you guess it? Episode 120 with Sofian Sahili, A Promise to Keep. And that episode was downloaded 8,554 times in the first 30 days, which is the best any episode has ever done in the first 30 days on our podcast. And it's not surprising. Uh, you may remember that I drove down to the end of the Tour Divide this past year, and I was able to be there when Sofian finished. I gave him a ride back to Jeff Sharp's ranch in Hachita, New Mexico. And uh, man, I got to, I like shared a bedroom with Sofian. We had different beds uh, and I got to hang out with him, got to meet him for the first time and really got to know him. And then while we were hanging out at Jeff Sharp's house, uh, we recorded an episode. And that story was really profound because it really talks about, or Sofian really talks about his journey to complete and win the Tour Divide, uh, which I believe, if I remember correctly, was an eight-year journey for him. And it just goes to show that even someone like Sofian has goals, aspirations, and these things don't necessarily come easy. They take a lot of work and dedication, money, time, all the things. And not to mention, Sofian is just a great ambassador for the sport and an all-around great and entertaining guy. So congrats, Sofian. Uh, next up by the numbers was episode 112 with Lael and Rue, Asterix. And this episode received, received 8,024 downloads in the first 30 days. And I'm sure you'll remember that this is the episode that, oh, wow, it uh, almost broke the internet. It almost broke me. I'll tell you what. Uh, it was the first time Bikes or Death has really been caught up in internet internet controversy. This was when Lael did an FKT on the Arizona Trail Race. Uh, it was a documented ITT. And even though she got the fastest known time, she was not officially recognized as having the FKT because of her media support, which garnered a huge reaction from the community on both sides. Uh, this was the most heavily debated topic in 2022 period in our community. And it really piggybacks off of Lael's 2021 Tour Divide run, where she was also caught up in controversy for having a media crew. So this was kind of an ongoing issue. And I personally received a ton of criticism. I know that a lot of people uh, unfriended me or uh, spoke poorly about me on the internet. And since this is my podcast, I think I'll take a second to, uh, to defend myself. And I think that the number one thing that I took away from that is that I think people felt like I was just kind of being a fanboy for Lael and and kind of just taking her side and saying, you know, Lael is right and everybody else is wrong, which is was not my intention. I will say that I respect Lael a lot. I consider her a friend. She has always been extremely gracious to me, even before she ever met me. Uh, episode 10 that I did with Lael, 
was a pivotal point in my life personally. I just happened to be in Arkansas uh, on a family vacation. She happened to be there doing a film festival, releasing one of her films, and she didn't know me at all, but I reached out to her on Instagram and I said, hey, any chance we could do an episode? please. And within like six minutes, she emailed me back. and was like, sure, I'd love to. And the next day I was sitting across a picnic table from Lael having a conversation. It was a wonderful conversation. And it was my first time to really get to know her and see that even behind the scenes, she's just a kind and a gracious person. And she's been equally kind and gracious to me throughout my, you know, career in Bikes or Death. And so I do like Lael. I like her a lot. I think she's a great ambassador for the sport. And I wanted to, most importantly with that episode, what I wanted to do is give her an opportunity to tell her side of the story. Because what I was seeing and what really disappointed me was that there was a lot of controversy, a lot of opinions going back and forth on both sides of the aisle and that all happened before Lael even had a chance to weigh in. We didn't know what Lael's take was. We didn't know if Lael even cared if she had the FKT. We didn't know what her opinion was on the immediate coverage. We didn't know. And I approached that with wanting to give her a platform to tell her side of the story, which is how I try to approach every single episode that I do. I never want to go into an episode and tell somebody how they should think, how they should feel, how they should look at a scenario. I really look at each episode as my guest episode. It is their episode. I am here to facilitate that. I'm here to give them a platform. And it is their prerogative to use that time to share what they want to share with the community and the way they want to share it. And I've had many guests on my podcast that I may agree with or don't agree with. And I don't try to let my personal feelings dictate how they should feel about whatever the case may be or whatever religious views or political views or whatever it is. And so I approach that in the very same way. And I don't know. A lot of people thought I just like kind of took her side, which was never the goal. And in fact, what I wanted to do and my my plan for the entire time was to have multiple conversations about this topic, about having media in bikepacking, what that looks like and what it shouldn't look like and all these things. But before I have all these conversations, it made sense to me that we start with the source and we give Lael an opportunity to tell her side of the story. Obviously, we had Rue there as well, and she was telling her side of the story from a media perspective, and I felt like that was the appropriate and right way to handle that conversation. And then after that, I went on to interview Sofian, uh, who gave some different perspectives, and I talked to John Stamstead, uh, who's a legend in bikepacking and uh, literally one of the first and has his own experiences with media in uh, bike pack racing. And to be honest, like I actually was trying to line up more episodes, but this topic became so polarizing that people politely declined to come on the podcast and talk about this polarizing issue. And I don't blame them. I, my name got dragged through the mud on the internet. And some people said nice stuff too, but you know, the bad stuff always kind of sticks out. And uh, 
I don't blame him. Why why subject yourself to that? And and for me, I decided to just let it go. I mean, it just got too toxic. People seem to already have their minds made up. And I really don't know if I'm the perfect person to be, you know, leading that conversation. I, I'm not a racer. I, I don't know all the ins and outs of racing and what should and shouldn't be there. But I am proud of that body of work that Bikes for Death did this year. I am glad that I gave people in the community opportunity to express their thoughts and opinions. And I think that at least for the time being, we can lay that one to rest and let other people worry about media and bikepacking and how that all sorts itself out. But because of all the drama, that was the number two most downloaded episode for the year. And number three was episode 113, Sofian Sahili, again, who weighs in. And that episode got 6,528 downloads. So again, this is the episode right after I had Lael and Ruan. It was Sofian who came on and shared some very thoughtful uh, perspectives on media in bikepacking. And he is one of the perfect people to talk about this as an elite level bikepacker who's a sponsored athlete who has uh, media covering him all the time and who uses media himself to promote his adventures and promote his sponsors and all of these things. And he's also a figurehead in this community and listens to a lot of different people. And because of that, Sofian came on and gave some more for us to chew on, some more for us to consider. And again, it's not for me to say who's right and who's wrong, but it is for me to create a platform where people can feel comfortable to come on this podcast and share their opinions so that we can be edified, so we can learn, so we can grow. And so as a community, we can have that information and do what you want to with it. I'm not the jury. I'm not the judge. I'm just the guy hosting the podcast. So that is our top three for 2023 by the numbers. But maybe more importantly is the Listener Choice Awards. So every year we send out a survey and we ask you, what is your favorite episode in several different categories? And this is what you had to say. The first category is your overall favorite episode, period, end of statement. The first place episode in the Listener Choice Awards is number 120, Sofian, A Promise to Keep. So we already talked about this episode a little bit, but I wanted to share why I titled this episode A Promise to Keep. And it comes from Sofian's post that he made about him winning the Tour Divide. And this isn't the entire post, but this is the end. And he says, I could have let it go. I could have told myself, you have nothing to prove. You've shown you belong to the elite of the sport. You don't need that to win. It's not going to change anything for you. But I had made a promise to 32-year-old me, who had the hardest time possible during the Tour Divide. I had promised him I would become so strong that one day I would actually be the fastest, from Banff to Antelope Wells. Knowing I had what it takes was not enough. I had to actually do it, and so I did. Not to show the world, not to prove doubters wrong, 
just to keep a promise I made to myself, because these are the most important. I fucking love that quote by Sofian. He is so well-spoken, articulate, and honest. And it's not just because he is a fast racer. It is because he is a fast racer and a fucking great person. And I love that quote, that the most important promises to keep are the ones that we make to ourselves. And Sofian did that in epic fashion. And so it's no doubt that he is the listener choice winner for overall favorite episode. Congrats, Sofian, on another win in 2022. Okay, and for our second place winner is episode 99, Brett Stepanik, who set a new FKT on the Ozark Doom route there in Arkansas. And uh, he actually was the first person to ever complete it. You may remember that I I was actually there during his FKT attempt. Um, I was media on the course. Uh, I think I only saw him, uh, I don't know. I, I think I interviewed him on the course like twice, uh, maybe only once because he was all business and he would just stop for he he would set a timer i think it would stop for like five minutes or only two minutes he had a timer once that timer went off he was gone and so he would chat with me during that two minutes or five minutes or whatever it was and so we did a couple uh, interviews on the course but mostly we just chatted after he finished and uh brett is a is a great guy i like him a lot and he definitely deserves a second place next up Third place in our Listener Choice Awards is episode 115, Jerrica Sterling. Uh, this was a very popular episode and, and one of my personal favorites as well. You will remember that Jerrica is the person whose, uh, whose husband passed away from cancer. And his dying wish was that she would ride the Tour Divide because he never got an opportunity to. And while she was doing it, she would spread his ashes at different points along the Tour Divide. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. One thing that really stood out to me about her story was that she wasn't a cyclist before he made that request. In fact, she wasn't really into cycling at all. Maybe she didn't like it. (laughs) But he made that request And she lined up at the start of the Tour Divide, having only gone on, I think her longest ride was a 30-mile ride, and nothing stopped her from completing that goal that she had set out to honor the request of her late husband. Uh, It's a truly, profoundly inspiring episode. And so let's skip ahead to the most inspirational episode in 2022 as chosen by the listeners. And first place is Jerrica Sterling. So congratulations, Jerrica, on, I don't know, having the most inspirational episode. Maybe congratulations is the wrong word because it's riddled with sadness, but I personally want to thank you for sharing your story with me and with my audience 
because it really was inspirational and impactful. And I don't, I don't know what else I could say. I, I think that, as you said in the episode, that your relationship was a gift, and you gave us a little bit of that gift. You gave us a window into what that was, and the way you've gone on to honor your late husband and to fulfill his request and and grow uh, yourself and work through that was just so honest and so real and so emotional and inspirational. And I do want to commend you for your honesty because I remember in that episode that you didn't paint that situation with rose-colored glasses. You were honest about it continuing to be hard and you were dealing with a hard thing and you're not perfect and, and all these things. And, and none of us are. And, um, Jerrica, we are sorry for your loss, but we are grateful for the example that you set. And I'm sure that your late husband, Kyle couldn't be more proud of you. And I'm sure he is honored that you were able to complete the tour divide in his honor because he never was able to while he was here on this earth. All right, I don't know how to segue out of that one. So let's just move on to the second most inspirational episode of the year, which goes to episode 130, RJ Sauer. That episode was titled Along for the Ride, and that was about him. He took his three-year-old son, Ollie, on a 200-mile mixed-terrain race that started in Fruta, Colorado and ended in Moab, Utah. This race is called the Rexy Gravel Race, and uh, they actually produced a film titled Along for the Ride, and it's it's a very, very well-made film. RJ was actually uh, one of the producers of that. Uh, it's what he does professionally. And not only was this an inspirational story coupled with a very well-made and documented film, but I just found RJ to be very insightful and thoughtful and intelligent and well-spoken. And he was he was a great interview, and he's somebody who I have personally uh, looked up to for many years. And yeah, I, I'm glad that I finally got him on the podcast. I don't know what it took what took me so long. All right, and third place for most inspirational episodes goes to episode 101, which was the Hal Russell tribute. And I'm really glad this one made the list um, because this episode meant a lot to me. I know it meant a lot to his family, and I know it meant a lot to many people in the community who reached out to me. You may remember that I was up in Arkansas. I was doing a series of interviews. I actually, that's when I interviewed Brett Stepanek. I interviewed Dylan Morton, and then I was scheduled to go uh, interview Hal the next day. Well, I woke up, it was a Tuesday, and I didn't feel quite right. I had a headache and I had a little bit of a cold and it just felt off. And I was like, I think I might have COVID. So I went and got a test and uh, sure enough, I tested positive for COVID. It was the first time I'd ever got COVID. And it was a huge, huge, huge bummer because Hal is a personal hero of mine. He's a legend in the sport. He's somebody that not only do I look up to, but so many people in the bikepacking community have looked up to for many, many years. Uh, he had been battling cancer, and I know from behind the scenes of chatting with him about that episode that 
you know, things weren't looking uh, good and, and they weren't uh, expecting that he would he would live much longer. And so I did feel like time was of the essence. However, I also, in good faith, could not go and uh, interview him when I had COVID. And so it was really sad, but I had to go back to the drawing board on that one. Essentially, I, my plan was to go home and I was going to drive back up uh, to his home in Missouri within the next week or two. And uh, shortly after I left uh, Arkansas with COVID, um, he passed away and wasn't able to get that final interview with him. And so I put together a tribute uh, to him, and uh, that is episode 101. And it was a tough episode to make. It was very emotional, but I'm also very proud of that episode. I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to highlight his life, highlight some of the things that he did to inspire us in this community and shine the light on him one more time. All right, those are all emotional. So let's move on to the most entertaining episode as voted on by the listeners. First place is episode 134, Eddie O'Day, which was the episode that I did at our takeover event in Mulberry Gap. And it was the first time I've ever had a live audience when doing a podcast, which is something I've always wanted to do. I've always been scared to do it. It seems very intimidating. But actually, like the interview went quite well. You know, you just never know what you're gonna what you're gonna get. It's always a surprise. It's like a box of chocolates. Ha ha ha. But yeah, Eddie was a great guest. Uh, the audience was great, and it was really cool to have a live audience to get live and immediate reactions to be able to get audience participation and get their questions and whatnot. And so I'm stoked that the listeners found it entertaining and equally as enjoyable. And that gives me confidence to go and do more, which is something that I already wanted to do. And this tells me that we should. So congrats, Eddie, on being the most entertaining episode. And second place in our most entertaining episode is episode 111, which was Cheech from Crust Bikes. And there's, this is not a surprise. Uh, Cheech is an entertaining person. Uh, it's just her natural personality. They have a uh, fun, lively, vibrant brand uh, that is all theirs. It's a reflection of Cheech and her partner, Matt. And she was a she was a lot of fun to talk to. Not a racy person. She's very uh, just normal, like, uh, but normal in like a good way, not like normal in a bad way. She's just like a lot of us who um, maybe struggles to get out there and ride her bike. And she set a lofty goal of doing Paris, Breast Paris. And so we're gonna have to check up with her again. And uh, after she does it, I can't wait to hear about that. But that was the first time we actually talked about randoneering much on the uh, podcast at all. And another discipline of cycling that I find really interesting and would like to talk more about at some point. And our third place episode is episode 135 with Abdullah Zenab. And uh, that was actually our last episode for 2022. And I have to agree, man. I told him at the end of the podcast, I could talk to him all day and all night. I found him infinitely entertaining. Uh, he's just a great storyteller, very insightful, just a great personality. Um, and 
it probably helped that that episode was about the Rhino Run, which was just an epic uh, battle to the finish. It had highs, it had lows, and uh, Abdullah was a was a great guest to kind of take us through all of that. And I, I really wish we had more time to talk to him, so we'll definitely have to have him back on the podcast. All right, and our last category is the most informative episode. And the first place winner by a landslide, that's what it says. Emily tallied all these up for me, and uh, that's what she said. So episode 118 won by a landslide, and that was John Stamstead. And uh, again, that was the episode where we had John on to talk about the history, the ethics, the rules of Tour Divide. And again, he is just a legend in our sport. He's been around since the very beginning. He's one of the pioneers of bikepacking and bikepack racing. And uh, yeah, very informative ep- episode. I learned a lot and so did y'all. And uh, he's, he's another one that I told him on the uh, episode that I'd like to have him back on. And I just talked more to him about his personal story because on that episode, we did talk more about just the tour divide and the ethics and the media and all that hubbub and uh, very informative. But I also need to get John back on and just talk about John because what an interesting and important person in our sport. Second place goes to episode 125, which was Shane Hits. And this was the episode we did on uh, Wisconsin bikepacking and gravel riding. Uh, Shane uh, brought me up there to cover the Red Granite Grinder. And he also is hosting a uh, Midwest bikepacking summit this fall. He's created a bunch of routes in that area. And I actually got... I'm not surprised by this, but I got great feedback on that episode. A lot of people from the Midwest and Wisconsin really appreciated uh, being showcased and and drawing some attention to that area. And having gone there myself, it's absolutely beautiful. And so I can see why they're excited to live there. And I can see why they're excited to have a light shown on that community. And I appreciate Shane coming on and, uh, and sharing with us and also all the work he's doing to develop the community and routes and making bike bikepacking and gravel riding more accessible in Wisconsin and the surrounding areas. Now, our third place winner is episode 108, which is the episode that we did on mental health and the outdoors. And this is when I went on uh, the adventure media class with Jared Foster. He usually takes, I think it's 16 students every year to a new destination as a part of their um, adventure media course. And this year, their topic was mental health in the outdoors, which is something that I'm personally really interested in based on my own journey. But I really like, even though I've talked about mental health on the podcast kind of in passing, we've never done a specific episode on it. And so I leaped at the opportunity to really dive into mental health in the outdoors. This episode was cool because while we were bikepacking around the campfire one night, we had a roundtable discussion that I led about mental health, and we gave students an opportunity to share their own personal experiences. And we were all able to learn from each other. And probably the most important thing that we can learn when we're talking about mental health is that, and Pepper Cook said this best, it's not when 
or it's not if you'll experience mental health issues, it's when we all do. And the conversation around mental health needs to be broadened. And I'm really grateful that I was able to go be a part of this class one more time and share these stories and share people's personal experiences. We had some very profound and inspirational stories that were told by the students. Some of them were so personal that we redacted their names on their own requests because they were so personal. But I'm grateful for those students who felt comfortable enough to open up and to share so that we can all learn and we can all understand that we are not alone whenever it comes to dealing with mental health problems. And and the outdoors is not the only answer but it is and can be a part of the solution and a part of your plan on how to overcome and and manage mental health problems. And I will say that this is a topic that when we surveyed uh, listeners, this was a topic that was requested that we touch on more. And I love that. And we are going to. So thank you. Okay. Well, that is all for the listener awards, but I did think it would be just for fun. I went back and I looked at what has been the number one downloaded episode of all time. So we've done 135. This is 136, but it doesn't count. The number one episode, I and I bet no one would ever guess what it is. Actually, I'm going to give you a second to think. Pick an episode. There's 135. I've been doing this for over four years. Which one do you think is the most downloaded episode of all time? All right, I'll tell you. It's episode 64, recorded on February 18th, 2021. And that was our bikepacking basics episode. And that's when I asked listeners to submit questions about anything bikepacking, specifically bikepacking basics. What do you want to learn? Beginner stuff, 101 stuff. And my friend Connor and I, we answered your questions. And that episode has been downloaded 13,406 times, which really is telling. And it really tells me that there is a need, a want, a desire for more bikepacking basics. And it's something I've wanted to do. You know, it's been on my to-do list essentially is make more bikepacking basics episodes. And I'm sad to say I've neglected it, neglected it for the last two years, but have no fear. We're going to do another updated bikepacking basics soon. So be looking for that to go out. Usually I'll just put a questionnaire on uh, social media. We can do it in email. Uh, I put it on Patreon. And so we try to make it easy for you to find. But if that's something you're interested in, if you have questions about how to bikepack, no question is too small. It's obvious that there is a need for this type of information. And I may not know much about ultra endurance racing, but I do know how to go bikepacking. I do have some tips on how to get out there and how to really shorten the process from, you know, the starting point is, hey, I want to go bikepacking to, you know, now you got to get a bike, you got to get the gear, you got to get the bags, you got to go know where to go, how to create a route, all these things. And I'm happy to uh, do that. And so, uh, yeah, look for that. That's definitely something we're going to be doing in 2023. All right. And so 
Moving right along with our listener feedback, in our survey, we asked listeners, who would you like to hear in 2023? And there was one theme in this category that prevailed over everything by a landslide, and that is less racing, more regular folks. And that sentiment was echoed over and over and over again. And I'm going to read some of them. So let's just go through these. I'm not going to read people's names, uh, who submitted the question, because we didn't ask for permission. I didn't think to do that. And uh, so we'll just keep all these anonymous. Uh, but I do appreciate everybody's feedback. Really, anyone who filled out the survey, this is super helpful to me in knowing what y'all like, what you don't like, and how we can move forward. So here we go. Here's the feedback. Non-endurance bike packers, people having fun with friends on weekend trips. Next one, less racing coverage and more podcasts about regular adventures, especially less epic adventures that people can do during weekends or extended weekends. This person says, I know you love the racing aspect, but less of that for me. I'm more interested in the everyday person riding their bikes, the random person cycling around Texas, or the group of college kids you took bikepacking. Those are the best episodes. This person says, I'd like less, not none, coverage of the winners and more about people who just ride bikepacking routes for fun, not competition. Next person says, I'd also like to hear more about the stories of people riding and or developing cool routes who aren't necessarily racing or doing FKTs. This person says, you often say the podcast is not about racing, but most guests are on talking about their race experience, maybe more ride slash tour and route topics. And lastly, this person says, interviews with individuals on the pointy end of the race is cool, but some of my favorite episodes are the product designers and mid-pack racers who are balancing a full-time job, family, and other responsibilities along, along with being able to take that once-a-year multi-week epic or a handful of short weekend trips. Racers get the headlines. The rest of the community make up the culture. So that's just some of the feedback that I got. And I have to be honest, I couldn't be more happy. I am absolutely elated to hear that y'all value and appreciate stories from people who maybe aren't uh, making headlines or aren't a big name in the industry and aren't you know the fastest in a race. And I'd like to speak for speak to this for just a second because I guess in my mind I've always felt like I wanted to showcase a variety of stories. I think they're all equally valuable. And I think that I've always felt like, you know, stories from Sofian or Lael or other racers are important because they show what is possible. What is the human potential when we push ourselves to the absolute limits? And it gives you a taste of what is accessible to you in your own life. And I've always felt like it's not like we have to be Sophie on, but if we can unlock that part of our brain that says, oh, wow, look at what's possible, we can apply that in our own lives and we can take that and do whatever is epic in your life. And that might just be a, a short weekend overnighter. 
And I think the podcast definitely started out as having more of quote unquote regular people, you know, people with day jobs, parents, just going out on rides, doing cool tours. And it's always been my intention to continue that. And I think without realizing it, I have had a disproportionate amount of episodes that focus on the racers. And as I've thought about it, based on your comments, I think it's because it's somewhat easy. I think that, you know, sponsors are promoting the athletes. The athletes are promoting themselves. The films are about the winners. The articles are about the winners. The podcasts are about the winners. And I think it's easy to get sucked in and that can become your worldview and I have to admit that I apparently have also got sucked in, even though that wasn't ever necessarily my attention. And I do love racing. I think it's, uh, I've always been fascinated by humans that are pushing the absolute limits, specifically in endurance endeavors. That's always been something that appeals to me. And I don't see myself getting away from that. However, my personal interests lie in, you know, badass weekend trips or three-day trips or five-day trips. And I, in my personal life, don't have the time or money or resources to do the tour divide and be out on my bike for three weeks at a time or a number of other things. And so, you know, my personal interest actually lies more with everyday folks, uh, people like me, people who are trying to balance family and work and money and also have the desire to go out and ride bikes and get in whatever you can. And oftentimes that is just a weekend trip. Maybe it's a solo trip. Maybe it's a, a weekend trip with your friends. And maybe it's just a weekend ride, whatever that is. And so I'm so grateful for this feedback because it really does help me recalibrate my compass and reflect on kind of how the podcast has shifted in this way. And I'm going to be more mindful uh, of not doing that and having a better, better balance and a better variety. And as I've thought about this, I mean, like I said, one reason I think racers are so easy is because they are so prevalent. There is so much information out there. There's all the things that I said, which makes it easy. And not that I'm trying to make this easy on myself, but you know, there's all kinds of people doing epic shit and we have no idea. I mean, there's people without social media. <gasps> Who could imagine, right? I know people that don't have social media that do awesome things. And oftentimes it is social media, how I find out about people. And so I think as we enter a new chapter of Bikes for Death and enter 2023, I would like to encourage the listeners to, to help me. Whether you think that you have an epic story or not even an epic story, but a relatable story, a valuable story, or if you know somebody, you're aware of somebody who's done something that has really impressed you or inspired you, reach out to me on bikesfordeath.com on the Contact Us page. We have a submit a guest forum, and we do get a lot of requests, and I would encourage you to help me uh, find those stories, um, put things on my radar that you think would be valuable, and I will be personally looking for and be more open-minded to 
those types of episodes, those types of stories. And again, I thank you for your feedback and I hope that you are looking forward to that this year and I am as well. All right, so let's move on to the Ask Me Anything portion of the episode. Thought I'd give listeners an opportunity to, well, ask me anything, and you did. And so let's run through those. Man, oh, so many questions. All right, so let's get through them. The first question is, what was my best moment for me in 2022? Uh, My top three are being at the finish line for the Tour Divide, uh, hosting the East Texas Showdown, and hosting the first ever Bikes for Death takeover. Those are three very pivotal uh, moments for me in the podcast, in my life, uh, being at the end of the Tour Divide, being a part of the spirit of that race, getting to hang out with those just epic human beings and elite athletes was a dream come true. It's something I've wanted to do ever since I started the podcast. So being able to tick that off my list was was really important for me. And honestly, man, the East Texas showdown has just absolutely blown me away. I still am blown away. I can't wrap my head around it, but the success that that race has garnered and the people that it's attracting is just overwhelming. And I I never expected it, never thought that was going to happen. It wasn't on my radar at all. But it's not just about like, oh, I'm surprised and glad everybody likes it, man. It's just, it is so satisfying to be able to provide people in a community that you care about and love an opportunity to come together, to try something hard, and to celebrate accomplishments, to celebrate failures, to celebrate efforts, to celebrate this community and bikes, and be a part of that, and to know that I can give that as a gift to all these people is just fucking wonderful. And in that same vein, you know, the takeover is similar to that. It's another opportunity for me to create community in a space that I love. And, you know, the takeover is all about non-competitive riding. The East Texas Showdown, we have everything from this year we introduced a introduced a non-competitive race all the way up to yeah let's get racy uh, but the takeover is just about education community and riding bikes and having fun and it's just a low barrier to entry uh, hopefully very inclusive and uh, yeah fun event and what I really am passionate about is building community and giving people an opportunity to, yeah, find a space where they fit in. And I don't think it has to be just one way. And so those are my top three moments for 2022. Next question, when am I going to ride the East Texas Showdown and what's my training plan? Oh, Jared Foster is texting me. Jared Foster says I should do the Outdoor Media Summit speaker application. Hmm, speaking. I don't know. That sounds risky. (laughs) All right, back to the episode. So when am I going to do the East Texas Showdown and what's my training plan? Great question. I actually addressed this at the beginning of the next segment before I do the East Texas Lowdown uh, later on in today's episode. And so I'll save a little bit of this and you can 
uh, get into that later on in the episode. But the answer to the question is I'm planning to do it soon. Uh, my goal is to be the first person to do an ITT of the new showdown route that's about 400 miles. We added uh, 20 miles this year. Nobody has ridden the whole thing. Uh, Stephanie Hall attempted it in December and uh, had a great attempt, had a great ride. She also picked a terrible weather window. I was texting her, and I know other people were, and telling her, hey, maybe um, wait till better weather. And Stephanie being Stephanie and the badass she is, she's like, no, nah, I said I was going to do it. I'm going to just go do it. And uh, so she didn't finish, but she had a great route. She had great th- or a great ride, and she had great things to say about the route. And uh, I know she'll be back in 2023 and giving it another stab. Uh, so the opportunity to be the first person to ride it is still out there. So I'm planning to do it soon. Now, what is my training plan? I'll talk a little bit about what I've been doing because I have talked about life changes in my personal life. And that started in, God, March, no, April or May of, of 2022. And I really, it was really like coming out of the 2020 pandemic and getting divorced and I really found myself like in the worst physical and mental shape of my entire life. And, you know, through just my own personal desires and having conversations with friends and surrounding myself with good people, I finally decided to take real action instead of, you know, I felt like I was always trying, but I never really bit down and and took serious action. And so about eight months ago, I I remember what actually really tipped it off is when I tipped the scales at 203 pounds. And I told myself, I was like, man, you're never going to get to 200. You're never going to get to 200 pounds. You can't let yourself get there. And when I hit 203, something inside of me just clicked. And I was like, oh, hell no. And I got to do something about this. And so I started working out every single day. Um, and that's evolved up until now. I'm, uh, I work out at least six days, well, usually at least five or six days a week. And usually I'll try to go on a bike ride too, but I built a home gym. And so my workout routine is uh, pretty active. Um, I like to think that I'm you know, training my body to be an endurance athlete, even though I don't really consider myself an athlete, but I try to train with endurance in mind. And so I do a lot of high repetition, high heart rate uh, work. I try not to rest very much in between sets. I actually joined a gym for a little while and I quit it because like everybody in a gym, uh, maybe not everybody, but at least the gym I was in, you know, you do your bench press, you do three sets, or you do a set and you play on Instagram for a couple minutes. And you do a set and you play on Instagram for a couple minutes. You do a set, play on it, you know, and that's all you do. And everybody's kind of doing the same thing. And I want to be very active when I'm working out. And so I wound up building a home gym. And in my gym, I have a series of kettlebells. I've got dumbbells. I've got a squat rack. 
that has like a bench press thing on there, a pull-up bar. I've got a landmine. Uh, one of my favorite things is a slam ball or a smash ball, whatever it's called, but it's just a heavy ball that you pick up and you throw around and you slam it down and you throw it over your shoulder. I love that thing because you're, you know, you got to squat down to get it and lug it up and really get your heart rate going and gets out some aggression. I have a row machine and I have battle ropes and uh, also have uh, a couple different things for like kickboxing, which is one of my favorite workouts. I try to hit the bags like at least two or three times a week. And it's just, if you haven't done bag work or kickboxing, it is freaking hard. <laughs> I had no idea how hard it was. And uh, this is something probably nobody knows. I don't think I've ever mentioned this, but I'm a huge fan of MMA and the UFC. Uh, so I don't know. It just kind of dovetails with that. Uh, so my training is working out six days a week. I try to work out for at least an hour and I, I do all kinds of stuff. I like to stay active and, and busy and keep my heart rate up and sweat as much as possible. Yeah, in the last eight months, I actually weighed myself yesterday. I weighed in at the, my lowest yet, which was 186.5. So I have lost 16 and a half pounds, uh, but it hasn't. Oh, and on top of you know working out, I also ride my bike. And that can be everything from a a trainer ride to just riding around town, going out on gravel, whatever it may be. Uh, But try to ride my bike, man, as much as I can. But and it just depends on on the season. But, you know, I don't necessarily count my bike rides as workouts. I try to do my workouts uh, plus a bike ride. So like even yesterday I went and I played tennis for an hour and then I did a workout for an hour. And so, yeah, that's just a kind of general overview of what I do, what I've been doing and what I'm going to try to continue to do. And actually I posted some before and after pictures on my Patreon account. I'm not brave enough to put them out there on the social media. Uh, but I think what I'll do is probably share some more stuff on Patreon, uh, just showing like my home workout and some of my routines and stuff like that. Uh, because there were a lot of people that were interested in training and while I'm no uh, personal trainer or anything like that, you know, seeing some good results and I'm happy to share what I'm doing and take you along for the journey as always. But I haven't just been working out. Uh, that's obviously an important component. But I, I think the other two main things that I've done is changing my diet drastically. Um, my diet had gotten really poor with just divorce and starting a new life and being a single dad and you know, it's hard to like cook meals every single day for two different picky kids and then, you know, cook something for yourself that's easy. And so I really just, man, I got into too much fast food and just really unhealthy habits with food and really unhealthy habits with alcohol. I mean, almost drinking every single day. So I'll speak to each of those real quick. As far as like what I've done with my diet is I drink a smoothie every day and my smoothie is just packed full of vegetables, non-fat Greek yogurt, bananas, blueberries, spinach, kale, veggie protein, athletic greens. Uh, what else do I put in there? I feel like there's some other stuff. <laughs> But it's just a really healthy smoothie. And I drink one of those a day um, and that gets me till dinner. And then I try to eat like just a healthy uh, dinner with just like grilled chicken, uh, turkey, 
baked potato, asparagus. I mean, pretty basic stuff. I, you know, I'm a single guy and I'm just cooking for myself. And so I keep it very, very easy. And um, that's what I do. I don't, you know, overeat. And I find that I, I'm full, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel good. I don't feel hungry. I'm not starving myself. Uh, I think I'm giving my body the nutrients that I think it needs. And it seems to be responding to that. And then the other big thing, and it's been a struggle, is alcohol. I've, man, I have, I grew up with a, a bad history of substance and specifically drug abuse. I actually didn't drink a lot of alcohol when I was younger. I did some, but just kind of partying and stuff. But for the most part, man, I did a lot of drugs. And I was able to quit drugs easily. I quit everything all in one day. I was 21 years old, quit smoking, meth acid, mushrooms, although mushrooms aren't addictive. What else was I doing? Marijuana. Oh, ecstasy. I did a lot of ecstasy, but I just quit it all in one day and I was sober for 10 years. And man, during the pandemic and going through the divorce, I got into a bad drinking habit. And I will tell you that fucking alcohol has been one of the hardest things to kick. I think part of that is how accessible it is and how culturally accepted it is. And so it's been it's been challenging. I'm actually currently doing dry January, which is something I do every single year. And my goal for this year is after I finish dry January is to only drink socially and that's it. You know, no more drinking at home and uh just drinking whenever I feel like it. You know, it's it's uh there's actually a really great episode of another podcast I listened to called The Huberman Lab. It's by Andrew Huberman. Uh, there's an a- episode that he did uh, on alcohol and its effects on our body. And and then just in the last couple of days, um, Outside Magazine published an article and Bicycling Magazine uh, also published an article on the effects that alcohol has. And it is bad. It is really bad for you. And so I am... Uh, really committing myself. I like drinking, you know, I like to, especially socially drinking. I mean, it's become such a part of our culture. I like it. It's fun. I get it. I'm not, and I'm not trying to bash anyone for drinking, uh, but I am just trying to share some of my personal experiences and my journey and what I've been going through. And so, uh, yeah, that's been another big part of my uh, personal change health-wise is just drinking a lot, lot, lot less, uh, being more mindful of that. And that's still a journey that I'm on and am continuing. So I deviated a little bit from training for the ETS, but really that speaks to you know, having a healthier body, a healthier mind. I'm now finding that I want to continue to find ways to push myself. And a great way to do that is through endurance bikepacking. And so as I've gone on this journey, and even when I did the lowdown, it was like 168 miles, I think, that really lit a fire under me. And I felt so good. I felt so healthy. And it made me really want to go out and do the full showdown route. And I was going to ride them like I was going to do the lowdown, then I was going to do slowdown, then I was going to do the showdown. And I was like, screw that. I just want to go take the full enchilada. Now, I will say that when I do it, I'm not necessarily going for the fastest time. I'll probably be documenting it and talking to people along the way. But, you know, 400 miles, give it my best shot. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And the other thing about that is, is like, 
I want to give myself the experience of pushing my body to greater limits so that I can relate better to my guest. And so I'm going to backtrack a little because another idea that I've had is taking that ITT on the East Texas showdown and, you know, maybe trying to do it without sleep, uh, getting into sleep deprived state, you know, really putting myself in the pain cave. And I haven't landed on where I'm going to go with that yet. So TBD, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll just see how it goes. But anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, giving it a go. And as far as training goes, I'll continue to, I mean, losing weight is uh, great. Uh, You know, less pounds I have to carry on the bike. The exercise that I'm doing is high cardio, high reps. So I think I'm hopefully creating an uh, endurance-minded or an endurance-focused body. And then I'll just ramp up the riding and just try to go on as many long rides as I can, uh, mostly just to remind my body and uh, get my butt in shape. Uh, But yeah, that'll be my training for East Texas Showdown. All right. So the next question is about my goals and aspirations for 2023. And I'm going to answer this question uh, specific to the podcast. I think my previous answer probably alluded to some of my goals and aspirations for my personal life. Uh, But before I answer this question, I want to tell something that I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast before. And that is about my Eagle Scout project. Many of you will know that I grew up in the Boy Scout program. And the Eagle Scout Award is the pinnacle of Eagle Scouts. And it's essentially a, a project that you have to complete before you're 18 years old It's a community service project. There has to be, there's all kinds of requirements. I remember one of them is there has to be 100 hours of community service uh, as an aspect of that. And so at 14 years old, I, um, I actually was the second youngest person in the state of Texas to get my Eagle Scout Award. I don't know what the record is now. They actually flew a flag above the state capitol and they mailed it to me. It was pretty cool. Uh, But what I did for my Eagle Scout Award was I hosted a bicycle rodeo. And so what I did at 14, without any help from my parents, they were adamant that I did everything by myself. I remember I rode my bike up to the mall where the radio station was, our local radio station, KISS 104.7. And I walked into the receptionist and I told them what I wanted to do. They gave me some airtime and I went on the radio and I uh, asked the community to uh, volunteer. And then I also let them know about the rodeo itself, where it was going to be, when it was going to be, all of those things. I went to Walmart and I got the manager to let me use uh, a portion of their parking lot to host this event. I got uh, our local bike company, Agland Cycling, to come out and Uh, teach uh, bike maintenance, Uh, just simple stuff. The target for this was was mostly for children. I got the police department to come out and uh, teach bicycle safety. And uh, they set up a obstacle course uh, where you would have to, you know, stop at a stop sign and use your signals and all these kinds of things. And I did that at 14. And it's really interesting now as a 42-year-old in, uh, that hosts a podcast and creates bike events for the community. 
Uh, it was really foretelling and foreshadowing of, of what would come later on in life. And I think it really speaks to my core principles and the things that I'm naturally inclined to gravitate towards. And that is building community and specifically with bicycles in the bicycle community. And I am sad that it took me so long to come back to that, but here we are. And so going into 2023, I'm looking to really build on our community building efforts. We will be doing another takeover. I hesitate to release too many details, but I will say that Okay, this is all tentative, okay? But I'm going to say some things. Uh, I'm hoping that it's going to be in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We're thinking June. Bailey Newbury, who owns Sincere Cycles, has agreed to be my live uh, podcast guest. And I know that there's bikepacking routes there. Uh, John Watson is there. There's a lot of great community already in New Mexico. Uh, so I think that's going to be the next spot. And we're thinking June. Um, so that's one event that we're going to do. Uh, another thing that I have been wanting to do is create a companion race uh, for the East Texas Showdown. So I do want to create the West Texas Showdown. The biggest problem with that is coming up with a route. And I do have uh, some things in the works with a route that's already developed, uh, but I'm not going to share too much because it is still in the works. And uh, yeah, so I am working to button that down. I don't know if that'll happen this year. I would like for it to, I would really like for that to happen this year. Uh, but to make that happen, I've got to get my poop in a group and make that happen soon. Uh, so that is something else that's on our radar. Um, another thing I want to do is host another free bike packing ride. Uh, it's something we've done a few times in the past and something I've, uh, intended to continue to do, uh, but just, just being busy with doing all kinds of things uh, and uh, yeah, just producing this podcast, driving all over the United States, interviewing people, going and covering events. I uh, haven't found the time to sneak that in, but that is important to me. And I would like to host another one of those. Also maybe do like a bikepacking summit in Texas. Uh, that's something that has been talked about for a couple of years. And one thing that I am pretty dang sure that I'm going to do that I really want to do is I would like to host four live audience podcasts in different areas of the United States. Um, I think Bailey Newbury would be one. He would be an excellent guest. I've got ideas for others. Uh, but my idea for that is we do one every quarter and, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That first one we did was an absolute blast. People seemed to really enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. And I think it would be just another great way to get the community together. And uh, I love having the live audience, the live feedback and getting questions right on the spot. So those are a few things that I'm looking to do in 2023. The last thing I would say that I'm looking to do in 2023, my major goal for this year is to figure out how to make Bikes for Death sustainable. I want this to be a real job and not an expensive hobby. And uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on in today's episode. All right. There's a lot of questions, so I might try to speed my way through some of these. What are my bucket list routes or destinations? Uh, so uh, Oaxaca is at the top of my list after uh, going there recently. 
and uh, Cass Gilbert lives there. He's developed a bunch of routes in the area, so it's an easy area to go. Uh, I really want to go back, check out more of Oaxaca on a bike. I really would like to do Baja Divide. I think it would be cool to do Baja Divide, or at least a portion of it, and like ride a portion, find a good surf spot, go surf, ride some more, find a good surf spot, and uh, kind of do it like that. And the next one is Italy. I, a friend and I are looking at potentially riding in Italy this fall and doing a proper bike tour, which I think is the right way to do Italy and soak up all the culture, the architecture, the food and all that jazz. So those are my top three. Next one is a tough one. What do you think makes bikepacking so special or different and amazingly good? What's the X factor of bikepacking? Ugh, this is a question I like to ask other people. I think there's a lot going on here. I think that we live in a world that's too easy. We have too many conveniences. We have self-driving cars. We have air conditioner. We have DoorDash that'll bring your food. We have a million options of things to watch on TV. We have devices that we hold in our hand that will access any information anywhere in the world. We don't give ourselves the opportunity to put ourselves in hard positions, to test ourselves, to rely on ourselves, and to truly find out who we are, what we're made of, what we're capable of. Also, humans biologically are endurance athletes. You know, I mean, back in the days when we were, you know, hunters or gatherers, we would as a tribe, we would chase down antelope until they would get tired and then we would kill them or other animals. And it is through our endurance and our intellect that we're able to survive so long. Like we want to be endurance athletes, I think. I think there's something in our DNA and our biology that wants to do that or is accustomed to doing that. And so when we do, we are tapping into something that we don't get an opportunity to anymore unless we put ourselves in hard positions to do it. The other thing that I think is beneficial is the time that you have to reflect, to think, and to just check in with yourself. Again, we are inundated by bosses, by friends, by relationships, by children, by the news, by you know social things that we are important to us. And there are so many things going on all the time that we don't often give ourselves the opportunity to just check out and check in with yourself. And when you're riding your bike for 50, 100 miles, whatever it may be, you don't have any choice but to be alone with your thoughts, to reflect and resonate with whatever you're feeling. And I find that that is one of the best times to yeah, really kind of work through and check in with yourself. It's a new thing that the human species lives in houses and has all these, all this technology and all these resources. And in many ways, it's wonderful. And in many ways, I think it can be harmful and detrimental to our physical and our mental health. And so what is bikepacking really? I think bikepacking gives us that opportunity 
to give our body and our minds what it is craving probably the most. And that is an opportunity to use your body and your mind in hard ways to push yourself, to think through problems, to find solutions to answers, to get yourself to a point of exhaustion and to push forward. And when you do that, you are teaching your body and your brain and your soul that you are capable. And if you can learn that about yourself, you can take that into any and every aspect of your life. So that's my answer. Okay, what would episode 136 Patrick tell episode one Patrick at the start of Bikes for Death? The first thing that came to mind was a quote by Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. And that's not news to me. In fact, that's the exact quote that I used to help guide me when I started the podcast. I told myself that if I want to have any type of longevity, that I can't be a personality. I can't try to be funnier or smarter or you know any other thing than I am. And to lean into yourself and try to be yourself. And I have tried to do that from the very beginning. So I don't know if I would really change anything. I think I went into it with the right mindset. But I will say the thing that has been challenging is to remain true to who I am and to not get caught up in what may be trendy or popular or cool or whatever it may be. And while I've always tried to maintain that attitude of be yourself, everybody else has taken, I will say it's challenging. And sometimes I have to ask myself, what is my motivation? Who am I? Am I trying to play it up for the podcast? Is this who I really am? And I don't know if that resonates with anyone else, but yeah, those are some of the conversations that I have with myself. But in general, I think I started the podcast for the right reasons. I think my heart was in the right place, and I think I approached it from the right angle. And I think that, I mean, I never had any idea the podcast would be as successful as it was. And I think I did myself a great service by being myself because that gives me the mandate to continue to be myself, and that makes it easier on me. So I would tell myself the same thing I told myself in the beginning, and I'm actually pretty happy and proud of the way that I uh, entered this space. And I'm, uh, it's even more rewarding that it has been successful because it is me. It is a reflection of me. And that is way more gratifying than if I had tried to produce a show and tried to be a personality and then people latched onto that. Well, that would just be something else that wasn't me. And so, yeah, no advice. Do what you are doing. Next question. Now that you have your passport, what would be your first destination in Europe that you would want to visit? Italy. Set it. Trying to figure out how to make it happen. It's freaking expensive, man. I mean, you're talking about time away from home, your family, time away from working, I, you all know all these things. I mean, there's so much more opportunity costs that go into 
bikepacking, especially like if you're going to tour Italy for seven to 10 days, I mean, the flight to get over there, the food, all these things. And so I've really been trying to figure out a way, and I've just started to think about this, is how to make that trip financially possible. So if there's anybody in Italy that has any ideas, I'd love to hear those. One idea that I had would be like if I was touring, maybe stop in different towns and host uh, different live events, uh, maybe do some guest speaking at different places. I don't really know, but I feel weird about like charging for those. So maybe figure out a way for like sponsors to like sponsor that idea. I don't know. That's still an idea that I'm percolating, uh, but I definitely want to, I want a bike tour because I've never went on a proper bike tour before. And I can't think of any better place than Italy to bike tour. So that's at the top of my list right now. Next question. Do you have a person in mind that you'd like to meet or interview? Um, I will say that I've been very fortunate. I mean, most people I ask are willing and excited to come on the podcast. People do say no, uh, and that's okay. But I've been able to get most people that I've tried to get on the podcast, which has been really neat. A couple people, though, do come to mind. One of them is Cass Gilbert. If you don't know, I mean, he's been an uh, in bikepacking forever. He has, used to have a blog called while out riding. That's still his Instagram handle. And he's now, uh, a co-owner of bikepacking.com with Logan Watts and, uh, Lucas, sorry, don't remember his last name, but I am really interested to talk to Cass. I actually tried to meet up with him when I was in Oaxaca, uh, but his son was in town and they were going on a bikepacking trip and our, our plans didn't align. But I just think he is a really cool guy. He seems to be living a super intentional life. I respect his routes that he puts out. He puts out some of the best route and route information there is. His photography is next level. Um, he's also a single dad uh, that takes his kid bikepacking, which I think is really cool. And I just like him, you know, from afar. He seems like a kind of guy I'd want to hang out with. I'd like to get to know him better. And he's definitely on my list. Uh, another one is Lachlan Morton, who really made waves in bikepacking in 2022. And I'll say, man, I tried so hard to get him on the podcast. And he's just like so far out of my league uh, right now. I was trying to go through sponsors and any way I could to find a way to get to him. And like everybody I talked to is like, oh yeah, he's busy. He's tough to get. Um, so he's still on my list. If you got a way to get in touch with Lachlan, let him know. Or maybe shoot him a message and let him know that you want to see him on the Bikes for Death podcast. But yeah, he'd be a cool one. Next question. How many hours do you work on one episode? Ooh, uh, I've thought a lot about this one and I would say over 20 hours. And this question, they said it's like from everything from preparation to editing to publishing the episode and promoting it, like everything. So I thought, because I've had people ask this question, is like, what is your, like, how do you prepare for an episode? And that has evolved a lot over the years. And I've tried different things. I've tried going into interviews with little information. I've tried to prepare greatly. <laughs> One episode, I remember, I went into completely blind uh, with Rebecca Vader, and that was my own fault. I don't remember what happened. It was a while ago, uh, but 
I literally, before that episode, I scrolled her Instagram for like five minutes before we hopped on and recorded an episode. Turned out to be a great episode, uh, but you never know. And um, so, you know, over the years, I've kind of like evolved and tested out different methods for how to prepare um, a, a podcast. And I've always wanted to try to have like more natural conversations. I do think if I had to toot my own horn, one thing I'm good at is creating a comfortable environment for for guests. And I know that guests have um, echoed that quite a bit through the years, that they felt really comfortable talking to me, that was easy to talk to, it was fun to talk to me. And that is the best feedback I can get. If I can put my guest in a comfortable place where they feel you know, again, comfortable to just talk and 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 have their thoughts and their their feelings uh, come more easily. If I can do that, then I think I'm doing my job, and and that is my goal. Um, so, how do I prepare? So, here's what I do: the day before I record an episode is when I do almost all of my homework, and I'll spend pretty much the entire day uh, researching the guest. I try to research like where they're from. This is a new thing I started doing is like, I actually try to like look at the geography and like look at where they live and what's culturally relevant to them and just kind of like try to get a better idea of them and their world, specifically an international, like international guests. Like when I interviewed Abdullah, you know, he lives on the Gold Coast. I don't know much about the Gold Coast. So like I researched that a little bit. But whatever it is, whether there's articles on the internet, you know, videos that they've produced or been a part of, other podcasts that they've done, I spend the entire day uh, reviewing everything I can. And while I'm reviewing everything, I, I take notes on things that stood out to me um, and whatnot. And then at the end of that day, what I typically like to do is I try to go on a bike ride in the evening. And I love bike rides as a method for uh, just letting my my thoughts kind of flow freely. I've always found that movement is a good way to kind of unjam the gears in my brain and 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 just let my thoughts kind of naturally come out. And I'm not necessarily specifically thinking about the episode, but I find that when it's been what I've focused on the entire day, that just naturally I'm going to have different thoughts and insights and questions that might come to mind. And so then... The next day, the day that I'm going to record the podcast, and usually I don't do them in the morning because I kind of have a process where in the morning what I do is I wake up and I first thing I do is I review all my notes and start making an outline and put the questions in order and and try to like gauge how the flow of conversation would go and and try to create an episode in my mind. And obviously it's always going to kind of take different tangents and stuff like that but I do try to I try to think through how a conversation could go and 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 where questions should be asked and and all that kind of stuff. And then what I do once I feel like I have kind of an episode, I do a workout, so I go back in my gym and I work out for an hour and the purpose of that is just to get out any like nervous energy and to like really like stimulate my body and my mind and get things moving. Because if you're just sitting down at a desk for hours, uh, just staring at a screen, typing notes, you know, you can get kind of sedentary. And so I, I want to go into episodes a little more alert and I want to shake off any, 
you know, nervous energy I may have or anything like that. So I think it's good to just go work out, get the blood flowing, get out nervous energy. I like to take a really hot shower. I often like before I get in the shower, this is personal, but I all like meditate in the shower and I just try to be very calm and, and, you know, I've got out my nervous energy. And so now I want to kind of like center my mind and focus on being calm and, Because what I don't want to do is go into a conversation and be like really amped up. You know, I need to be, uh, I need to be calm. I need to be in that moment. And so I try to calm my mind. And then after I do that, I come back to my notes and I go through the entire show notes. And oftentimes after that, I'll make some corrections and have some different ideas, make changes. And then I record an episode. And that's, that's my process just to prepare uh, for an episode. And so like just that itself could be like eight to 10 hours uh, just preparing for an episode and just trying to get it in the right mind space and have the information and, and have that episode and that person be top of mind. And so when I am having that conversation, I can recall the information easily. I can be present because I'm not trying to recall stuff. I'm, I'm there i am i'm able to listen i'm able to respond and hopefully uh, be engaged and have an, uh, a well thought out conversation but not control it and then we edit the podcast so uh, this happens in a couple different stages uh, the first stage is i send the episode off to my editor ben crannell who's a bike packer and a great dude and he and i have been working together for a while now and so he knows uh, what to cut and what not to cut. But he essentially goes through and makes sure all the audio levels is good. It's consistent from, you know, episode 100 to 101. So you're not adjusting your audio that, you know, me and my guests, the audio levels are the same. And then he does some basically rough cuts and takes out things that are like obviously need to be taken out of the podcast. Then he sends it back to me and I listen through the whole thing. I make further edits and that's when I really narrow down uh, what the episode is going to be. And then we record our intro and outro and he edits those for me, sends it back. I put it all together, write the show notes, get the pictures, put it on the blog, put it on my publishing site. So it syndicates to everyone. You got to do Instagram, you got to do social media um, and all that stuff. And uh, that takes a while. Then one of the biggest uh, time commitments is managing all the messages. So actually, like I haven't ever really counted how many different accounts where people could possibly message me on. So I went ahead and did that. So messages come to me through email. I have three different Instagram accounts. One of my Instagram accounts is personal, but people message me like bikes or death stuff on there all the time or tag me on stuff. I have an East Texas showdown uh, Instagram and I have my bikes for death Instagram. Then I have four different Facebook accounts. Uh, there's bikes for death. There's East Texas showdown. There's a private, uh, Patreon Facebook, and there's a East Texas showdown chat room. And then there's Patreon where people message me on there also. And that's one aspect of podcasting that I never really thought about, but the amount of messages I get through all these different platforms is a full-time job in and of itself. And I will admit that I'm not always the best at keeping up with them. I really, really try because 
bikes for death is important. The things and the people in this community are important and I want to be on top of them, but I am just one person managing, how many did I say? Seven, eight, nine different accounts where people message me. And, uh, I do miss some from time to time. And if you're one of those people, I do apologize and I'll always try to do better. But yeah, so like if you add up all that stuff, I don't know what it really comes out to, but probably at least like 20 hours, I'd say in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 hours per episode to produce one episode. And I was reading online, actually, unrelated to this episode, I was just reading a, a, on Reddit on the podcasting forum, they did a, a survey and they asked how many hours most podcasts are spending on each episode. The highest range was between three to five hours. I don't know. So maybe I'm slow or maybe I'm trying too hard. I don't know. But I don't see myself changing what I'm doing. I'm pretty proud of the podcast that we're producing and uh, I only want to get better. All right. Well, I don't like the next question. They said they're going to turn the tables back on me and ask me what my favorite episode of, of was from 2022. And I tried, I was like, okay, well, I'll come up with my top three. And that was like, well, that's not enough. So I came up with the list of my top 10. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not answering this question. <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, the truth is, is like, I love and appreciate every single episode for different reasons. Some are more fun. Some are more challenging. Uh, some are more inspirational. But I really love and value and appreciate every single person who takes their time to come on the podcast, to chat with me, and to share their stories and their experiences with you. And it's fun for me. Like Something I've been thinking about recently is like, I mean, I, I use Joe Rogan because he's the most well-known podcaster, but if you're Joe Rogan and you're interviewing somebody, they're usually somebody in the entertainment space, somebody who's used to talking on a microphone, somebody who's used to having an audience and, you know, and, and even Joe like knows probably a lot about them. There's a lot of information out there. They knows he knows what they're going to sound like. He knows if they're shy or they're not shy. I got to think about that. I'm like, man, what I do is way harder. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn, but I mean, like, if you think about it, almost every single time I go into an interview, I don't even know what the person is going to sound like. I don't know uh, how articulate they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to be a storyteller or they're going to be giving short answers or whatever it is. And there's a part of that that's kind of scary, but there's also a part of that for me that's kind of exciting. It's like, jumping off a cliff and hoping your parachute works. That's a little bit of an extreme example, but I never know exactly when I'm gonna get on the other end. And so while there's an element of fear, there's also an element of excitement and an enjoyment for me. And it's kind of like an ongoing test to be able to speak and communicate effectively with a wide range of people. And that is something that I think is cool and something I want to do and I want to get better at. And so I appreciate all of them. I love them all. And that's my answer. Next question. Who is my biggest role model? Uh, I'm going to answer this question as it pertains to bikes or death, bikepacking, podcasting, that kind of stuff. And I just wrote down the first four people that came to mind. One of them is Chris Burkard. 
Uh, he's been on the episode a couple of times. I admire Chris a lot for just a really overall positive attitude. He has an incredible work ethic and he puts out just amazing content and he's an amazing storyteller. And as a person in the space, he's somebody that I look up to and I really am impressed and admire what he's built. And I also know that like me, he never went to college and uh, he really just worked hard and uh, followed his passions and was able to create a really uh, nice career for himself. And that's something I admire and I aspire to do one day. The next person in a similar vein is John Watson. You know, John, I don't know how many people know, but I think he started his blog. Oh, gee, what was it called? Oh, yeah. Probably not probably. I think that's what it was or probably not probably something like that. But he started his blog, I think it was like 2007. And you can still go back and find like old articles. And much like me, I feel like he did it just out of a, a, a passion and a love for telling the stories of the bike community. And he has dedicated so much time and effort into building the Radivus. And if you look at what he's built, mostly by himself, it is truly incredible. And then just this year, he was able to sell his company to uh, the Pro's Closet, and which is really like reaping the benefits of, I think, I think, oh man, I don't remember the exact number of years, but many, many years, over a decade of, of hard work. And as an entrepreneur and somebody, again, in the same space, I, I admire that. And I congratulate him on his success. And um, I hope I can emulate uh, some of that as well. Another person is Andrew Honormaugh. Andrew is just a person who absolutely loves the bikepacking community and is spurred on by his own love and passion. And that is it. That dude is all heart. And we first learned how big his heart was whenever he lost the Arkansas High Country in that epic battle with Ted King. And he did like a 10-minute Instagram live afterwards, and he was in tears. And that is just a representation of like how Andrew, I feel like, lives his life and how passionate he is about not only his life, but creating opportunities for people specifically in the bikepacking and the outdoor space. And he's doing some amazing things. And I think it's coming from a very genuine place. And I really appreciate and look up to him. In a similar vein, Matt Mason, uh, who is Monumental Loop, uh, he has created just an incredible community there in New Mexico um, around the Danger Bird event. They do a, a summit. Um, everything that he does is free, and he's dedicated to keeping it free to the community, which is extremely challenging to do. Um, but he has been dedicated to that since the beginning. And as far as I can tell, he will remain dedicated to that. And Matt is also a little bit of a rebel. I love him, man. He is not afraid to speak his mind. Uh, and he will often have uh, maybe counterculture uh, opinions. And maybe they're not even that counterculture, but he's like brave enough to say them. Uh, and he just has a great uh, delivery. Um, and so, yeah, those are some of the people that came to mind originally uh, whenever I was thinking of people that I look up to. All right. What are my personal writing goals for 2023? 
The first one is uh, East Texas Showdown. That's an easy one. And uh, I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but my big goal for this year is to tackle the AZT 300. It's a route that I think we talked about with Greg Hardy on episode one. I could be wrong about that, but I think we did. It's been on my heart and my mind since the very beginning. It's it's the route that appeals to me the most, partially because of my limited time window, like being able to potentially do it in like five or six days works with like my, my schedule. And the other part is just the topography. Um, it looks rugged and beautiful and desolate. And I love desert environments. And uh, yeah, that one has been on my list for a while. And it was actually my interview with Katie Scott. Her story really inspired me to just be like, fuck it, man, it's time, you know? And so those are my two like personal big writing goals. I want to, I really want to go and do the ETS. Uh, I want to give it my best shot, whatever I decide my best shot is going to be and put myself into that. want to be the first person to complete that route. And then I want to do the AZT and uh, that's it. I have some other, right? Like I want to go tour in Italy. I want to go ride in Oaxaca. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to ride this new, uh, Central Texas route. I have a new bikepacking route that I'm wanting to develop. And so I'm planning on scouting that uh, this spring. Uh, Maxwell Johnston's going to come with me and we're going to like photograph and document it and um, hopefully get that up on the interwebs. The next person asked, how did you get inspired to do the podcast and what's the story behind it? So leading up to the podcast, I had dabbled in like some YouTube videos and doing some blogging. And I was really just trying to find a way to share my love for the outdoors and cycling. And at the same time, I was in a career in real estate that was really successful financially. But personally, I found it to be soul sucking. You know, anytime you're dealing with people and their money and oftentimes helping them orchestrate the largest financial purchase of their entire life. You're dealing with whether it's a buyer that's trying to get the best deal or a seller that's trying to screw over, screw over the buyer, the other agent that's trying to like, you know, screw somebody over. It's just like, it's all like backbiting and it's all kind of dirty and nasty and ugly. And I would always, I would often tell my clients like, I would try to put things in perspective. You know, like if I have a seller and we get an offer on a house and they get upset at the offer, I would be like, well, we don't know their finances. You know, we don't know if they have, have they been saving for 10 years? Have they been working on their credit score? Have they been paying off bills and doing everything they can? And this is their absolute top dollar. You know, we don't know what their financial circumstances. So don't don't make this about them. You know, let's just let's make this about you. Is that a good offer for you? And on the flip side, whenever I would have buyers that are trying to lowball a seller just to be aggressive, not, you know, because you help them like, so what's the value of this property? And they're like, okay, well, I want to come in fifty thousand dollars less. It's insulting. I'd be like, well we don't know why that person is selling that house. You know, maybe their daughter has cancer 
and they have medical bills that are stacking up and they need to get her the treatment that she needs. And maybe that's why they're selling their house. And we, we never know what people's personal stories are. But I found that in those transactions over and over and over again, people were just trying to screw the other person over with no consideration for who that person might be, what they might be going through or any of that stuff. And I found that really hard to swallow. I also like, as a person who believes in outdoor spaces, don't really love being an agent who's like selling houses that are built on land that was like you cleared out a bunch of trees to build another freaking house. So I just got kind of tired of it. But, you know, I'm a father. Uh, I've got bills and I don't have a college degree. I don't even have a high school degree and I don't have a lot of, you know, other things I can do. So I can't exactly get out of real estate at this point, but I wanted to do something that would essentially make me feel good. Like what could I do that was a positive that would offset some of the things I was doing in my life that was filling my personal life with just negativity. And I had got into podcasts. A friend introduced me to some podcasts and I never uh, was a big, big podcaster. I think it was like in 2016 when I first started listening. And I just absolutely fell in love with the format of podcasting. Um, I really like don't like things that are filtered and over edited and, you know, like that aren't truly representative of who we are as people, right? And a good podcast in my, from my perspective is one where you're able to listen to people and hear their stories and hear about their background and hear about the good times and the bad times and, you know, hear about some of the troubles that they've had to overcome or whatever it may be. But podcasts that I like to listen to give you a very good look or a better look into what a person actually went through to accomplish something. For example, you could maybe read a book and then listen to a podcast from the author. And that podcast for me about that author helps me so much better to appreciate that book that I read. And that's kind of why I fell in love with podcasting and it's the ethos or the format of, of podcasts that really appeals to me. And it's what I try to bring into Bikes or Death. And so actually, um, I started a whole different podcast with a buddy that was called Not Totally Inaccurate. We never released it. We had a logo and we recorded a couple episodes, but it was terrible. Uh, it was just me and him talking and uh, we were very different people. Um, but the whole format was kind of like, hopefully breaking down some stereotypes of, you know, Texans, of rednecks. He was a redneck, uh, of, you know, mental health. He and I talked a lot about mental health and, you know, being men struggling with mental health, uh, talking openly about it, all kinds of things. I mean, it was kind of like going to be an open format where we discuss all kinds of things. And so I was really looking for an opportunity to share and to, I felt like I was contributing something positive to society uh, in a way that was meaningful to me. At that same time, like I was getting into bikepacking. Obviously, since I was 14, I've been into cycling and building that community, sharing that love with people. 
And I, I noticed that there weren't a lot of podcasts uh, for bikepacking uh, in at that time. There was like the Bike Pack Canada podcast that had just uh, the original host had passed away, and then Steve had picked it up, and I, I believe that was the only one that I was aware of at at the time. And um, at that same time, I was going to a wedding in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and that's where uh, Rockgeist is. And uh, there was a few other people like Logan Watts is there and then like Eno, which is the hammock company. Uh, they're there, which is kind of a loose tie in to the outdoors. But um, I'm a big hammock camper. And so like, I had like a short list of people I could potentially podcast with. And I reached out to Greg and he immediately said yes. And uh, that was kind of how it all started. And I never, you know, I never started the podcast with any expectation that it would ever be successful. Um, I've said this many times, but my metric for success when I first started it was if I could ever get to a hundred listeners, if I get to a hundred listeners, a hundred people that found my content, uh, valuable that were interested in it, that were being inspired by it, that would be a huge success. I didn't tell any of my friends that I was doing it. I didn't tell my family. Um, I told my ex-wife. She kind of made fun of me. Um, you know, I, I I didn't tell anybody. I just, I wanted this to like be my thing. It was just something I wanted to do. And I pursued it out of passion. I mean, you hear that a lot, a passion project. Well, this was truly a passion project. And it didn't take long before I realized that I was kind of onto something. I mean, it was like episode three where Miles Arbor actually reached out to me and asked me if he could feature the podcast on bikepacking.com. And of course I said, yes. And, uh, he said, okay, well let's, you know, get a few more in the can and then we'll put it on bikepacking.com. And so I think it was episode after episode six, when they put it on bikepacking.com and that's when things really started to happen. I mean, you should see like the numbers. I was like, I don't even remember. It was like 500 downloads an episode to like, you know, 2000 downloads an episode uh, in the first 30 days, like overnight. And so I owe Miles a great deal of gratitude. But what I found is like, for whatever reason, the podcast has been well-received um, people have enjoyed, I know from the feedback, we didn't get in, into uh, this on uh, the listener survey, but one of the questions is, is like, what do you like about the podcast? Uh, turns out I'm, I'm a big part of that. <laughs> um, as much as I try to make this about the guest, I mean, I'm here every single week. And so, you know, I, that's very kind and, uh, and humbling and um, I'm grateful for that. But again, I think I did myself a great service by just being myself and, I just try to follow my heart and, and it seems to be working out. And then since then, I just kept it going. I mean, I, I reach out to, and I seek out people that I think are interesting or fun, uh, things that appeal to me personally. And, uh, luckily this is a space where people are very approachable and people want to share their stories. There's been a ton of growth in bikepacking, um, just between 2018 and now 2023, the bike packing world has absolutely exploded. I mean, like Big Agnes is making tents for bike packing. REI carries bike packing stuff. I mean, bike packing is entering mainstream cycling. It's becoming way more known. 
And so I kind of just got lucky with the timing of it too. But yeah, so here we are. I just kept asking people to talk and they kept saying yes. And uh, now we're here. All right, last question in the AMA. I remember about a year ago, Patrick was wondering if he could continue doing the podcast or not. He asked if the community could do a little more and he got a good response at it. My question would be, when you look back at that time and look at today, how successful has Bikes for Death become and what were the results of that call to action from the community? So I'm going to end on this question uh, because behind the scenes, I've been having a life crisis. Uh, I'm being a little, I'm exaggerating a little, maybe not. But to answer the question, the first part of the question, when I put that call out, it was episode, I think, 97 uh, with Jessica Alexander. It was at the beginning of that one. And the response was amazing. People donated money. Patreon went went wild. Um, we got some good sponsors. And we were able to make it through 2022. While the response was good, uh, it wasn't like good enough to make this a full-time job. And that's kind of where I find myself today. I'm going to speak plainly and candidly. So you'll know that I've been a real estate agent for 13 years. I would be going on 14 right now. And my real estate license expires at the end of January And I've really been conflicted on what I should do. I've been asking myself the question, is bikes or death a hobby or is it a career? And it's something that I don't have the answer for. I know that I want it to be a career. There's nothing I would love more than to do something I absolutely love for a living and have it be sustainable and be able to provide for me and my family. And that is at the crux of my dilemma. Now I am a single dad and I have two daughters that absolutely rely on me. And if it was up to me, I'd go live in a van, I would travel around the world, I would live on beans and rice, and I wouldn't need money at all. But that's not my situation. I got ex-wives I gotta pay, I got kids that need a house, food, uh, and they deserve a stable life, and it is my responsibility as their father to provide that to them. And there's two realities here. One is the Bikes for Death podcast has been wildly successful. I have been extremely fortunate to be supported in word and in money from the community. There's no doubt about that, and I am beyond grateful for everyone who has contributed and helped and sent a kind word along the way. And there have been many, many, many of y'all. Unfortunately, I haven't exactly got to the point where I can make this a job and I can say, yep, this is my career. Part of what is, is informing my decision and part of what I've been reflecting on is the state of the cycling industry. And You will know that recently uh, Specialized ended its 
I think it's brand ambassador program and got rid of, you know, tons of ambassadors like that without any warning. So who are the biggest three bicycle companies in the world? You got Specialized, Trek, and Giant. So Specialized cuts their brand ambassador program. Trek and Giant have both, it's this public knowledge, have both asked for extensions because they're unable to pay their bills to the manufacturers. And Bikes for Death at the end of 2022, as we do every year, uh, we sent out a fundraising campaign specifically to look for advertisers and sponsors. And during that process, uh, we heard time and time again that their ad, ad budgets are cut. Some companies aren't spending any money on advertising. Some companies cut their budgets in half. Some companies I was able to negotiate for lower um, ad rates than we were making before. Even though our podcast has grown by 20%, we're having to take less money just to get sponsors. And I'll just tell you that, you know, the the state of the cycling industry you know, first of all, like this is not targeted at me or bikes or death. And I don't take it personally. I'm just looking at this as a, as an industry thing. And like in 2020, we saw a huge industry boom. It was challenging in 2021 to get advertisers because companies didn't even have product to sell. I know we had, I won't say who, but I, we had companies that were sponsoring us. They didn't have product to sell, but they still wanted their name recognition out there. They wanted the brand awareness and they had the money to spend on advertising because of the boom. But a lot of companies didn't even have product to sell. Well, now we see that companies have product to sell and the bike boom is slowing down. And now companies are having to cut back, having to cut way back. And the top three bike companies in the industry are having a hard time keeping up and they're making cuts. Well, that affects us directly because that's who we're going for to try to get sponsors and advertisers from. And we are in a little bit of a tough spot and we're not really having a lot of success. We're having some. Uh, Again, we're having to renegotiate some contracts and stuff. And on top of that, our Patreon has diminished, oh, by quite a bit. I mean, I think just the last 60 days, we've lost uh, 50 patrons. And man, I, I am not calling anyone out. If you, if you couldn't continue to support the podcast, I am not mad. I think, I don't know about how many people follow like financial news. I follow it daily, but inflation is up. Wages stay low. Corporations are making record profits. Uh, stock market is down. Anytime you look at financial news, the outcome, especially now, looks relatively bleak. I think people are struggling. I know I'm struggling, and I get that. And so I find myself in a situation I don't necessarily want to be in, where I'm trying to decide, what do I do? Another thing that I reflect on is anytime I listen to a podcast with an author or an athlete or an actor or a singer or a rapper or anyone who's been successful in a creative space, I hear the same message over and over and over again. It took absolute 
sacrifices. It took hard, hard work and many, many failures before success actually ever came. Look at friggin' like Steve-O. Steve-O's a great example. He might be a jackass, but that dude, even though he's so successful, he still does a podcast, he does YouTube, he does comedy, he makes movies. He is well known as being one of the hardest workers there is in the industry. And it's not by happenstance that people who are successful become successful. And so I asked myself, is my big break right around the corner? Am I about to walk away from something that is about to be successful because I'm scared? And what am I willing to risk? How far am I willing to push it when I know that I have daughters that rely on me? And then I have my real estate license that expires at the end of this month, which is just prophetic, right? And so one might say, well, why don't you just do real estate and the podcast? Well, that was doable when I was married and I had support. I had somebody that could watch the kids, that could do pickups from school and go grocery shopping and do the laundry and all that stuff. But that's not the situation I'm in anymore. You know, it's it's me. I'm the mom, I'm the dad, um, and I'm the financial uh, provider. And it's just not possible. I talked about how much time it produced to takes to produce one episode. I mean, if we're talking 20 to 30 hours to produce an episode, I don't have the time to build back a real estate career and do a full-time podcast and be a dad. It just, I'm one person and the math doesn't work. And so where I'm at with it right now is I'm going to do a few things. I'm going to try to make a decision as to whether or not Bikes for Death is a hobby or whether or not it is a career. And what will inform that decision is the response I get from this episode. Once again, I'm going to ask the community, if you can and if you value the podcast, to go to Patreon and give what you can. Again, the website is patreon.com forward slash bikes or death and vote with your dollars. The other thing I'm going to ask the community to do is if you have an idea um, on how to create a better podcast, how to create a better Patreon, how to, if you know of a company that you think would be a good fit and would be interested in advertising with bikes or death or sponsoring the show, Put me in contact, reach out to me. I do not think that I have a monopoly on good ideas. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17. I know how to work hard. I know how to be savvy. I know how to, I got some street smarts, but I've never been a podcaster before. I am in uncharted ter territories and I know I don't have all the answers. And maybe there's an easy answer out there. And maybe one of y'all knows what it is and you could write me an email and tell me. But I'm open to ideas. I'm open to uh, your feedback on how Bikes for Death could be better, how we could pivot, and how we could turn this into a legitimate job. So I'm going to take probably the next like three or four weeks off, uh, and I'm not going to focus on producing any episodes. And I'm going to use that time to really, really focus on how can I 
make Bikes for Death sustainable. I'm going to be reaching out to people I know in the industry, previous partners. I'm going to be seeing what we can do. I'm going to be asking for advice from people. I'm going to do everything I freaking can uh, to keep this going um, and growing. You know, I mean, if I get the support that I would like, it's the sky is the freaking limit. There is no limit to my imagination, my passion, my drive, and what I think I could accomplish. But I can't do it without the support that anyone would need to be able to accomplish those things. So I think that's it. And um, I am not going to be releasing the uh, Texas slowdown segment at the end of today's episode as promised various times throughout today's episode. Uh, I mentioned it so many times it was too hard to edit out and I didn't expect for this episode to be so long. Uh, but since I am taking a little bit of a break uh, from rele- from releasing episodes, what I'm going to do is release that segment next week as a freebie. Uh, I'm going to put it out there so you have something else to look forward to, and that's what we're going to do. So sorry about that, uh, but don't fear. We'll get that out to you next week. I do want to say, though, that even if I cannot pursue Bikes for Death as a career, I will continue to do Bikes for Death as a hobby. It will look different. I don't know what it will look like. Um, if I have to go back into real estate, I you know, I fired all my old clients. Uh, so I'll be starting from scratch and building that uh, back up. And that's going to take uh, some, some focus and some time and a priority. But I absolutely love Bikes for Death. I love this community. I love creating these podcasts. And so, you know, maybe I only do 10 a year, but I'm not going to go away. Um, I just need to figure out what is the path forward, um, what makes sense. And this has been a journey, you know. I, I've always wanted to take you, the listener, along for the ride, no matter what happens. I've tried to be honest and candid to the degree I felt was appropriate for the last four years. And this is just, I think, a reflection of that. I hate that I have to even say this. I hate that I have to bring this to the community. But I do feel like this is a community. And I would be remiss if I didn't share what was going on behind the scenes with you and without giving us an opportunity to figure out what the future looks like. No matter what, Bikes for Death has been one of the single most rewarding and edifying endeavors I've ever done. I've learned so much about myself. I think I'm a better person now than I ever was. You've given me confidence in myself that I didn't have before, that people value something that I am doing, something that I am. And I have no regrets. I would do all of this again in a heartbeat. And uh, no matter what, we're not done. We're just trying to figure out how to move forward. That's all this is. It's a conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to get your feedback. And I guess with that, I'm going to close out this show. And uh, I think it's only appropriate that I leave you with the quote from Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. One of the most important lessons that I've learned through Bikes or Death 
is to be yourself. Be who you really are. Be your true self. Relate to people on an honest way. And people will resonate with that because people understand authenticity. People can connect to real emotions. And that, I think, has been one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in this process. All right, everybody. Until next time, go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes for death. Bikes for death.